So often we talk about generosity here. And we, we say often that it's a core value in our church, and it is. And so that's uh, what I want to talk about this morning, is just this thing of generosity. And as I was thinking about that, I'm kind of a geek this way. I'm like, well, what, is it, what does it really mean? So, you know, I bust out the dictionary because I'm kind of a word nerd. And I looked up um, generous and generosity. And the definition of generous is liberal in giving or open-handed, marked by abundance, characterized by a noble or kindly spirit, magnanimous, kindly, a generous heart. That's generous. And then generosity is the quality or fact of being generous, a generous act. And then again, we see that word abundance, great generosity of spirit. Friends, that's our God. Our God is generous and abundant. And generosity is a value in this church because we want to look like him. We want to sound like him. We want to follow him in his generosity. Now, when when you read that definition, you might say, wait a minute, marked by abundance means you got a lot of stuff, right? But giving it open-handed, giving it away. That, that might seem like an oxymoron. It, it might seem like those things can't coexist. If we're open-handed with everything we have, you know, if I give away everything on the stage, there's nothing on the stage, right? I wouldn't have anything left. But the reality is God's economy is different. The way things work in the kingdom of God is different than the way things work in the world. <clears throat> The enemy would love us to believe that if we were generous, we would have nothing. That's what he wants us to believe. But the reality is that with generosity comes abundance. It's not the other way around. That's how God made it work. That's how it works in God's economy. Our God is the most generous. And when we trust him and we display his generous nature, he blesses it. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, it says this. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. If we sow bountifully, we reap bountifully. If we do as we've purposed in our heart and do so cheerfully, God ensures abundance for every good deed. That's a promise in his word, guys. Our God is generous. And he wants us to be generous. The world may say that we have to hold on to and store up and gather and save to ensure that we have what we need. But God says, be generous and do so with a cheerful heart. And I will give you all you need. I'm not going to read the scripture, but in Matthew 6, it speaks of the birds of the air that neither sow nor reap, but God cares for them. And it says, how much more does he care for, uh, for us and about us? So friends, the reality is 
we can loosen our grip. We don't have to hold so tightly onto anything. We just have to understand that God is our provider and that his resources are limitless. That he cares for us and if we trust him and we're generous, he will bring about abundance and we will have all that we need. In Proverbs 11, 24 and 25, it says this. There is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. And there is one who withholds what is justly due, and yet it results only in want. The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. Scatter and increase, withhold and result in want. I love the last bit of this scripture. He who waters will himself be watered. What, what's the opposite of generous? Is it selfishness? Is it stinginess? Maybe it's dryness. He who waters will himself be watered. When we don't allow God's goodness to flow through us, we can become dry. We're not watering, and so we aren't being watered. He who waters will be watered. It reminds me of the nature of God that he is living water. And friends, living water is moving. It's not stagnant or stored up. Stagnant water gets buggy and murky and gross, and it can make you sick. But living water is always flowing. It's fresh, and it brings life. This is why Jesus wants us to be generous, to be open-handed, Because he is the giver of life. He is the giver of every good gift. And he wants us to be conduits of his goodness. He wants it to flow through us and bring life. Not be stored up and get stagnant. In Matthew 25, we see the parable of the talents. And I think that this parable speaks to generosity and abundance. And it's intended to show the flow of God's goodness as he designed it. Matthew 25:14 through 29 says this. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, 
reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming I should have received what was mine at least with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Guys, our God is generous. And in this, he's saying he's given each one of us talents and treasures and skills and abilities and resources. But he doesn't want us to keep them to ourselves. This parable on the surface may sound like an investment banking lesson or something, but it's not. It's a reminder that we're not to put what God has given us under a rock. We're not to grasp tightly to what we have in fear of losing it. But to multiply it, to advance the kingdom, to share the gospel, to make disciples, to be generous with what he has given us. Friends, when we are faithful and generous with what God has given us, he gives us more. And this parable also contains a warning that what we have will be taken away if we bury it. If we grasp too tightly to what we have and are selfish with it, it'll be taken away. If we stop the flow of God's goodness, it gets stagnant and we dry up. So let's not be those people, friends. Let's be conduits of his goodness. God wants us to be a generous and abundant people. He wants us to have abundance and life to the fullest. So what does God really want us to be generous with? There's a few things, and really all things, our lives. But one of the things that God wants us to be generous with is love. He wants us to be generous in his love for him and for each other. I love that, I mean, really every week when we sing about Jesus, we sing about love. But just talking about his reckless love and lead me in your love to those around me. Love is so important to God. And he demonstrated his love to us. In Romans 5.8, it says this, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if we jump down to verse 10, it says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Friends, God shared that amazing love with us. He continues to share that amazing love with us that while we are yet sinners, while we are enemies of God, His love reaches out for us and calls to us and builds us up. And he wants, it to be, he wants us to be generous with his love as well. Friends, when we come to know Jesus and we come to know that love, we can't keep it to ourselves. We've got to share it with others. We've got to tell others about it. Everybody that we come across so that it can spread and grow and multiply and flow as everything that God gives to us, he wants us to do. He wants it to flow through us. Like living waters, God needs to flow through us. 
He wants us to be conduits of his love, touching others, bringing hope and bringing life. Love is important to God, and he wants us to be generous in his love. When Jesus was asked what was most important, love was his answer. Mark 12, 30 through 31 says this, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Friends, we should be generous and profound in our love for him. He wants us to be generous and genuine in our love for his church. And he wants us to be generous and demonstrative in our love for his lost. I know we don't talk about this often, and Hawk, this is for you, bro, because I know you love it. But these are the pillars of our church. Profound love for God. Genuine love for his church and demonstrative love for his lost. Everything we do as a church is guided by Jesus and and these thoughts that we're to love him and others and those that don't know him. It's important to God and it's important to, to this church that we love like that. But I also know it's not always easy, right? I mean... Some people just aren't super lovable, like me, you know. I can be a pain. My wife would probably agree. You know, God, God is easy to love because he's perfect, right? But he asks us to love our neighbors as well. And we know that our neighbor is everyone, right? Everyone we meet, everyone we come in contact with. The, the, the seemingly lovable and the seemingly unlovable. And we all know that not all of our neighbors are super easy to love. You know, there's the neighbor that scoops our sidewalks for us every winter when it snows, and we're just like, man, love that guy. He's so great. And then there's the other neighbor that mows his lawn on Saturday mornings every week at 5 a.m. If you're a morning person, maybe that doesn't bother you. For me, not, not as easy. You know, God asks us to do things that are outside of us, but he doesn't ask us to do anything that's beyond him or outside of him. Our love is limited, for me especially at 5 a.m. on a Saturday morning, but God's love is limitless, and he wants us to be generous in his love. And if we're sharing his love, it doesn't run out. It doesn't run out. Now, our enemy is not a fan of this whole idea that we should love like God wants us to love. And so he'll throw all sorts of junk at us. Like, if we do that, if we love like that, if we're just generous and abundant in in love, we're going to get hurt. Or that we can't do it. Or that the love will run out. But the truth is, God's love is limitless. And never runs out. And the enemy being that sneaky, sly guy that he is, he peppers in just a little bit of truth so that it really bites hold, you know? And so the truth is, we may get hurt. If we love generously like that, we may get hurt. It may happen. That's true. But the peace that the enemy leaves out 
is that for every time that we get hurt sharing God's love, he is faithful to bring healing to our heart. It's worth the risk. The enemy doesn't want us to be generous in love because he knows that if we love like God asks us to, it would change the world. Could you imagine all of the things that we see in the world, just the hate and the fighting and the disagreements and all the crazy, if we just loved each other like God loves us and how he's asked us to love each other, what things would look like? It would bring us together. It would draw people into Jesus, who is love. It would bring about salvations. So the enemy's not a fan. And he does everything that he can to try to to keep us from following Jesus, from sharing his love, from being generous with our lives. You know, I have a I have a good friend that's really good at this. He loves everybody. And he's willing to do just about anything he can to help people. He's one of those guys that would give you the shirt off his back if you asked for it. Or, you know, if you needed it, or even if you just asked for it. Even if you didn't need it, just... It, you know, what's mine is yours. And as a result of caring for people in that way, he's been burned a few times. He's been taken advantage of. And sometimes he gets discouraged, but I always encourage him. You know, take care not to let others take advantage of you, but don't ever, ever lose your heart for others. Don't ever lose that. God's faithful to bring healing when you get hurt. Like the parable of the talents demonstrated, we can play it safe. We can hide what God gives us under a rock in the dirt so that we don't lose it. There's no risk there. Or we can be generous in sharing God's love. We can be vulnerable. But it's worth it worth it. And if we're followers of Christ, we've been given that commandment, that commandment to love. In John 13, 34 and 35, it says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, men will know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one another. Love is important to Jesus. And he shares his generous love with us. He loves us on our best day and on our worst day. And he asks us to do the same. To be generous in our love for him and generous in our love for everyone else. We can't keep God's love to ourselves. We have to share it in abundance and make it spread and grow. The other thing that I want to touch on that God wants us to be generous with is our resources. And I know this is a hard one for some people. We work hard for what we have, right? And for some, maybe we don't have a lot. But we've got to remember that God's economy is different. In his economy, abundance comes as a result of of generosity and not the other way around if we remember that all that we have is from him, that he is our provider, 
and that his resources are limitless, it makes it easier. Friends, trusting him with our resources, with our tithe, is the only place in the Bible that says we can test him. Everywhere else in scripture, it says don't test him, don't test your God, don't test your God. But in this, he says to test him. In Malachi 3.10, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. When we trust him, when we give of our resources, he blesses it. When we are generous, he opens up the windows of heaven and he brings abundance. Friends, if, if you've never trusted the Lord with, with the tithe or you've struggled with being generous, all I can say is trust him. Try it. Test him in that. He's faithful. I can tell you from my personal experience, my testimony, that I've never missed a penny, uh, food, anything that I've ever given to the Lord, the tithe, any offering. I've never regretted being generous. I don't miss it at all. And I know it doesn't always make sense. You're like, if I, if I give stuff away, I have less. But that's just not how it works. When we trust Jesus, he takes care of us. He ensures a sufficiency and abundance for every good deed. He cares for us and he meets our needs. He's looking for people that he can entrust to be open-handed that he can entrust to allow his goodness to flow through. And when we're open-handed and we trust him, he gives us more. I shared a testimony three weeks ago, a month ago, about how the Lord is providing for my daughter's orthodontia. Friends, it's thousands of dollars. His, his resources are limitless. It's not from anything that I've done. I've just done what the Lord's asked me. And I prayed and I asked him. And he's provided. He's faithful. That's who he is. He can't be anything else. We just have to trust him. And I know that it can be hard. It can be. It can be hard. Maybe you've felt that thing of lack, like if, if I give this, if I do this, I won't have enough for me and my family. How am I going to take, you know, I'm responsible for taking care of them. How am I going to deal with that? Or maybe you've believed the lie of the enemy that what you have isn't enough, so it doesn't matter. What I have to give is so small, it just doesn't matter. Friends, it all matters to God. When we give him our trust, it matters. It matters to him. But know that if you felt that way, you're not the only one that's ever felt that way. That's wondered if they would have enough, if they were generous. Has wondered if what they had to give even would matter. But friends, it's not about having enough or having too little. It's about trusting God as provider. 
I want to share a few scriptures. The first one of this concern of not having enough in the story of Elijah and the widow. First Kings 17, 8 through 12 says this. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zerfatha, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he rose and went to Zerfatha. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called her and said, Please get me a little water in a jar that I may drink. As she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little jar of oil. And behold, I am gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Her response was, I I, I can't help you. I would love to be generous. I'd love to provide water and a meal, but I, I don't have enough. I've got one last meal for me and my son, and then we're going to await death. Sounds pretty hopeless, right? Well, let's carry on in verse 13. It says, Then Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go, do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake from it first, and bring it out to me. And afterward you may make one for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. She was asked to give first, to give first before receiving herself. She made the cake for Elijah first, and then there was enough for her and her son. There was enough for her and Elijah and her household to eat for many days. That may seem small, but to me it sounds like Jesus opening up the windows of heaven. This woman went from not knowing how she was going to eat beyond a last meal and die to having enough for days. She trusted the message of God through Elijah and gave in her lack, and God multiplied it. She had doubt. Her first response was, I I can't help you. But in trusting God, there was enough. God is enough. Abundance as a result of generosity. Provision as a result of trusting God. Friends, when we first bring to God what he asks of us, what's left is enough. More than enough. It's not about how much we have. It's about trusting God with it. Byron, if you could come up. So now I want to take a quick look at this second one. This thought of what I have doesn't really matter. It's minuscule. It's small. It all matters to God, guys. 
in John 6, 1 through 9, it says this. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. Therefore Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? God's so generous. How are we going to provide for them? This he was saying to test him, for he knew himself what he intended to do. And Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive even a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are these for so many people? We know how the rest of the story goes, right? Jesus takes the five loaves and the two fish and he gives thanks and he blesses them. And those five loaves and two fish fed 5,000 people with 12 baskets left over. Our God is abundant and generous. Now the disciples saw that what the boy had wasn't enough. And that boy may have felt the same way. He may have looked at what he had and said, this is not enough. What, does, it, does this even matter? This won't even put a, a scratch in what, what we need. Will it really help? And while he may have felt that way, clearly he was generous and gave what he had. And God multiplied it and God made it enough. From the boy's generosity came abundance. From his willingness to give what little he had, 5,000 people were impacted. They saw a miracle that day. It's not about how much we have. It's about trusting God with everything we have. It's not about an amount but the condition of our heart. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. We have to trust Him with everything, with our lives, with our love, with our resources. Be generous with what He has given you. Don't hide it under a rock. Don't grip firmly onto it. Let it flow. Let it flow through you to touch others. So what is, what is generosity? And how do we put it into action in our lives? It starts with understanding that our God is abundance. That our God is generous. That all we have, we, we sing about this stuff all the time. Every breath we breathe is from Him. All that we have is His. It all comes from Him. And if we trust Him, and we share it. We share that love. We share those resources. We share his word to grow his kingdom, to spread his love, that he's faithful to continually supply all that we need. 
so that we will have abundance for every good deed. This is why generosity is a core belief at this church. Because our God is generous. And we want to reflect him. We don't want to just affect the people in this building. We want to affect our town and the surrounding cities and our state and our country. We want to have an impact that big. And and if we're open-handed and generous with what the Lord gives us, we can have that kind of impact. So let's be generous with what God gives us. Let's be quick and open-handed with his love and trust him with all we have. Let's be conduits for his goodness, his living water that brings life and never runs dry. Let's pray.